Hi folks, this is Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that's casual about the truth. I'm Justin, and we're about to get John on the line. This is a long episode about a short ladder, and an immovable ladder at that. You know the drill, two true statements, one lie, and there's points at stake. I hope you like it. It is weird, yes. I don't understand how I don't understand how it works. How we can have a conversation, but we're both having a different conversation because it's a different time. Yeah, I'm trying to work out because the, obviously daylight savings has messed everything up. So now for me it's ten to nine, and for you it is ten to eight. Yes. Oh, there we go. So I'm now in the evening. I also. Have. You're now in the morning. I can't decide yes. how I want to set myself up for this one because usually it was like sat on my bed, cup of coffee, all this stuff. But now it's like, do I get into bed? Do I put like my lamp on? Oh. Or do I? What do I do? Do I get cozy? Oh, so because it's evening time, you're thinking about doing an entirely different setup, which might include being in bed. Well, it's because I'm sat on my bed, but now I'm like, well, now it's mm. like nine o'clock. I feel like I'm uncomfortable with you going to bed during a podcast. I'm not, go- I'm not going to bed. Is it- I'm not gonna like fall asleep. <laughs> Okay, you just think you might be more comfortable in your bed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to do a scorecard check for this one. Maybe you need to change things up a little bit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll put a blanket on. I'm not getting into bed. Okay. Because it is cold. Okay. It's cold in my flat. I don't think a blanket could hurt. I am worried about my energy levels. Oh, yeah. M- me, me, me too. It's 8am. <laughs> I don't do anything at this time. See, anything I would be doing right now would be very relaxing. So let's uh, right, okay. talk about historical objects. Well, I think this is going to be lie to each other. quite relaxing. Um, the only downside is, John, I haven't really warned you about this, but even though I will be introducing an object, I'm actually relying on you to give us a history lesson on the object because it's outside my area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. what? So that will be relaxing for you, I'm sure. What is your area? What is my area? I'm pretty good with, like, Australian Olympic teams 2008, 12, and 16. See, I would say that's my area. Well, actually, <laughs> I've probably forgotten all their names now. Anyway. Um... Also, we now have a, an official Master of History on the uh, podcast, so that, that gives us some clout, doesn't it? We, we have a Master yeah. of History, yes. Uh, that, yes, first episode since then. Congratulations. Yeah. John is now an actual historian. I should uh, I should have my like certificate framed next to me, just to remind me that I can actually do some history every now and again. <laughs> I wanted to see a picture of that set up. It's just you in a bed, but there's this big, uh, big scroll just, just big there. Big scroll next to me. Do you want to hear a history joke as well? Okay, yeah. I think we should always do a history joke. Pray continue, sir. Uh, A Roman legionnaire walks into a bar, holds up two fingers and says, five pints, please. (laughs) Have you ever heard of the immovable ladder? The immovable ladder. I yes. have not. You've not heard of it. Me- this it, one was introduced to me against the by... unreachable wall. Hmm. No, the wall's actually quite reachable. <laughs> it is leaned against a wall, though. Um, introduced to us by listener Mike. Thank you, Mike. 
Well, I don't know if Mike knew what he was getting me in for when he signed me up for this. Have you have you um, also gone for an object that someone's given you? It just got sent to me. It was un, unsolicited. He just he just sent a link and said you might be interested in this, and I just sent back episode fifteen. Because I've also gone for an for an object that <laughs> someone suggested to us. Okay, listen to listen, a listener listener week. Yeah, for the next two week. weeks these are listener objects because we do pay attention to our audience, however small it is. Yeah. We don't promise to actually inform you on the object, but we'll, we'll use it for our own benefit. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. I'm not going to credit you at all either. But cheers, Mike. Yes, thanks, Mike. Is your search engine ready? Um, it's been so long that it's not. Give me one second. Am I Googling a immovable ladder? Yeah. Immovable ladder. Oh, God. That spell check was wrong on images. I can see... <laughs> Would you like me to tell you what I can see? You can see a ladder? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I can see, like... A little tiny ladder that is has five rungs that's like leaning on a balcony up to a window. And like that's it. It's Correct. above a door. Correct. Okay, so inside Jerusalem there are four quarters. Inside the Christian quarter, there is the church of Q very dubious pronunciations from here. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre. How do you feel about that? Sepulchre. I, I don't know. I know the, I think I know the word you're thinking of, but I'm like, I'm I've scared. watched a it's lot like... of YouTube pronunciations. Yeah. But then I'm good. Well, then you know more than I do. What was it? Sepulchre. Sepulchre. Uh, S-E-P-U-L-C-H-R-E. Sounds The Church perfect. of the Holy Sepulchre. So this church is on the two most holy of sites for the Christians, where Jesus was crucified and buried slash resurrected. Now and since then, it's the shared headquarters of multiple denominations, including Greek Orthodox, Armenians, Romanian Catholic, Coptic Orthodox, Ethiopian Orthodox, and what I presume is the Syriac Orthodox. They all have to share, which, I mean, we're probably going to say some controversial things moving forward, but I'm, I'm guessing there's a little bit of... There's been a few problems with them, <laughs> those people all sharing... Um, there's been a few various ways of dealing with this, but... Some interesting methods. Uh, probably, yeah, most relevant to us, during the 18th century, um, under Ottoman rule, they introduced some, some rules, some guidelines, particularly 1852, 1853, some firmans or decrees were given that provided that no significant changes to the building can be made without the consent of all six denominations <laughs> as they're represented in Jerusalem. So we have a, a ladder on a on a ledge against a wall. Very nice ladder, probably made of Lebanon cedar. Not a timber I'm particularly familiar with. It's a, it's a uh, it was probably... timber I am very familiar with. But carry on. Okay, it's your favourite ladder timber. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we probably had a stonemason fixing something, left his ladder there for a while, but you know, a few years pass, and now we cannot move this ladder without everyone agreeing that the ladder needs to move. And they don't really agree on much. So uh, the, the immovable ladder has, has become immovable. Um, so they none of them can all agree that the ladder should be moved because... No, no, no. That's pretty funny. Apparently nothing happens inside the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Like, even very important maintenance, because no, they can't get everyone to agree on how it should be done. What, even if um, like, the, 
the toilet's blocked or something. <laughs> like, nah, it's too significant. A oh, yeah, bigger issues than that. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe if all of the toilets were blocked, they could get together. Uh, things are still functional. It does still seem to work. I have just a couple of ideas on how, further ideas on what the ladder might have been useful for. When the Ottomans were in control, they taxed Catholics every time they came in and out of the church. And it's kind of a net, it sounds like it's a really, really large network of buildings. Yeah. So that natural response for this was for the Catholics to all sort of set up inside and, and use permanent quarters. So they were only coming in and out every now and then. Yeah. Um, so this ledge where the ladder is sitting is part of the area that the Armenians occupy. And it's speculated that they used that ledge where the ladder was to sort of go outside and get some fresh air, have some plants, because they couldn't go in and out of the building as often as they would have liked. So I think that kind of maybe adds some support to the idea that the ladder might have been useful beyond the one stonemason doing a bit of work. So it's um, there's like some justification for the sort of... It's not just pettiness. People want to get outside onto the balcony every now and again. <laughs> yeah, no, like it might have been a quite important thing yeah. for a while. So the ladder's been there since at least 1728. What? Oh my god. I was expecting you to say like 1950. The... <laughs> no, th- things cranked up a little bit in the 19 in the more recent history of the ladder than than the original. Yeah. Yeah, some o- some other suggested uses were that the some Turkish people imprisoned Armenians in that building, so they had to use the ladder to get food into their... Their monks had to use food to... Um, had to use the ladder to get food into their prisoners, and the monks might have used it to clean some windows. <laughs> I like this object. Any any questions at this point? Um, is it still in use? Do people still use the ladder? Or is it now just a ladder that is there because it, it has now gained new value? Oh... I mean, the second, it's sort of relevant to one of the statements, but also I would say I don't think anyone's climbing up and down the ladder at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'll, have you got the statements ready, then? Is this, are we going straight into them? Um, we can head into them if you don't think any more context is required. No, I'm pretty happy. I'll probably think about something in a bit because that's how my brain works. Get ready for a sneak question. Yeah, nah. <laughs> we've, got some, we've got some dense... So we've got some dense statements with... Less than dense supporting materials, so I'm sure we'll find. Oh way. yeah, of course. <laughs> um, okay, statement number one. Are you ready? I am ready. The immovable ladder has actually been moved twice, despite the strict rules, which are actually called the status quo. Interesting. Statement number two. Go ahead. Pope Paul the sixth went to Jerusalem in 1962. To get the ladder permanently removed. <laughs> nice. Next one. A Muslim family has been responsible for looking after the keys to the church of the Holy Sepulchre for 800 years. Wow. Again, I'm reacting to these like these are all true, but one of them has to be a lie, so... <laughs> um, yes, one of them is, is fabricated. So... I've already forgotten the first one. First, first one, one was moved the, twice. It's been moved twice. Second one was the, yeah. the Pope Paul VI, did you say? Came to remove the ladder in 1962. Yeah. I think it's six. I'm pretty sure it was VI. So. Yeah. And then next one is that a Muslim family looks after the keys. Yes, to the, to the Christian church in Jerusalem. Nice. Good statements. Thank you. I tried hard really late yesterday. 
It's stressful, isn't it, when you know you're recording in the morning and you have to do them in the evening. I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. I like it when I've got the day to do it. <laughs> it's more like I just really, you know, I just you always want to have more, John. You always want to have more material. You always want to think more. It's true. Um, but this is a weekly podcast at the end of the day. <laughs> you think we'd have a good uh, system by now. Um, so, statement one. Do you know the two reasons that it was moved? So I've got, you know, a couple of sentences on each incidence. If you'd like me to start with the first one. <laughs> yes, please. Or the second, if you prefer. So, prepared. the first. <laughs> well, the second one's a lot less interesting, so let's do that. 2009, so very recently, Ooh. somebody saw the ladder one window over to the left, <laughs> which, you know... It's pretty innocuous, like the ladder was still on the ledge, it had just been moved over. But it's, like, you would think a a church of this significance and that kind of thing so recently would be incredibly well documented. But it's like, um, they were probably just cleaning up around it. I read this, there was only one source, which was not Wikipedia, that (laughs) said that they had to get some scaffolding into the ledge, so they just needed the ladder out of the way. And I just love the idea that some sort of, like, tradesman is like, What's this ladder doing just, in my way? Just, just picked it up, it. moved it, put his, put his scaffolding in, do his job. And then when he packed his scaffolding up, he just left the ladder where it was. What I do appreciate is that it's not immovable in the sense that they've like secured it there so that it doesn't move. It's immovable because no one moves it. Yes, yes. I'm a big fan of that. So the, the, binds, that, the binds that tied the, uh, the powerful denominations through their status quo agreement that bind the ladder into its spot definitely not nails or screws so what was the other reason the more interesting i think uh incidents of moving the immovable ladder occurred in 1997 when what one website called a prankster (laughs) who i would also say could be interpreted as a protestant christian um thought it might be funny to reach out the window pull the ladder inside hide it in the room um, just to demonstrate how silly the disputes were. Um, just to be like, it's, this did it's not, not go down well. I can move it. <laughs> it's not. It, it, we can move this really yeah. easily. You're all just being um, a bit weird. Yeah, that caused uproar and outcry, and um, they put the ladder back within a week. No, a couple of weeks. Sorry. That's justified though, because I'm annoyed about that. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. No. <laughs> Are you annoyed about it? Just I can't tell. <laughs> I think this is one of those things that I'm amazed I've never heard of it, and I genuinely don't know what to think. Like, if you use it, this is my problem with being highly sentimental, borderline, no, not borderline, well and truly obsessive-compulsive. If you attach significance to things, you end up just entrapped and imprisoned by the things you're sentimental towards, and this latter seems like one of those things. Does it just, like, yeah, you just feel yourself getting too sentimental about it and going, oh, God. Well, no, like, if you're going to have rules about whether this ladder can be moved, how is this place supposed to function? By the sounds of it, it doesn't. But <laughs> that's my only reservation with having an immovable ladder. If it stops at the immovable ladder, and we're like, this is the one funny anecdote which demonstrates the problem with having a difficult time deciding who's going to be responsible for sweeping the floors, that's yeah, all right then. Just don't get a job there. I think on many, many, many levels, I'm not suitable for a job at the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah, it'd be a long commute to start with. It would be a long commute, and I'm an atheist. <laughs> so there we go, that rules you out. Um, it does. 
you can definitely see someone doing that though. Like that's people are annoying, and people it's like it's goes back to like people wanting to touch stuff at museums and things. As soon as that someone says that's an immovable ladder, someone's gonna be like, "Well, I'll move it." Yeah, let me show you. Yeah. So, I think also that there's nothing, nothing stops them. Um, I mean, they have a grate over the window now. You can't just reach out anymore. But, but it takes someone to do it to then know to put a grate in. Yeah, and the the sort of the people who are serious about it from all the denominations probably wouldn't even think about reaching out and touching the ladder. Yeah. Whereas some some guys just like. He's probably British, just like, oh, well. <laughs> he was probably a British atheist who didn't care. <laughs> and therefore... Okay. You, you think you think not not a Protestant prankster? Did they say he was a Protestant as well? But at least two of the websites did. <laughs> oh, there you go. Maybe he is. I thought it was like... I love that there was no... Disti- there, was no pati- there was no important distinction between a prankster and a Protestant Christian. <laughs> I wonder if they're, like, a common problem in, like, Jerusalem, Protestant pranksters. Um, I mean, maybe. I haven't been. I'm told it's a, a, uh, quite a fun place. I don't know, you know, I don't even, like, I don't know, it doesn't register to me. Well, I bet it is, bet it is amazing to go to. Hmm, that sounds good. I'll have to get there at some point. Podcast trip. Um, although we do keep signing ourselves up for podcast trips, so it's going to be quite the uh, journey, I think. We're going on a... Big, big roadshow. Yeah. Live episodes everywhere. No one will actually choose to be there. We'll just do them in the town square, but there'll be live episodes. We'll have to find a listener in Jerusalem who can, like, come to our show. That's true. We haven't had any yet. Well, I think we've failed then. We might have to do some, like, aggressive marketing in Jerusalem. <laughs> just some propaganda. Got to stick around. <laughs> yeah. Any Anything else on Statement 1? I, I mean, sort of, again, it's hard to unpick because... I kind of believe it. I, I just, like, I think that people are annoying. And I, kinda, I can just fully imagine mm. someone pulling the ladder in. But I, yep. I, I've, I know you said you like the first one more. You think the guy pulling in is more interesting. I think I like the second one where it's like, just, it seems to be off. And everyone's like, wait a second. That, I find that funny. Yeah. Wasn't that next to that right-hand window before? Uh... You're like, oh, the, the immovable ladder's moved. That's weird. <laughs> That is weird. That's entertaining. We need to change the name. The relatively immovable ladder. <laughs> the mostly immovable ladder. The relative, <laughs> relatively stable ladder. The movable ladder. <laughs> that is just a ladder, I think. Oh, yeah. The ladder. Uh, yeah, I think initial thoughts leaning to that being true. That seems pretty good. Okay. I like that one. That's, that seems fine. Again, me liking it doesn't equate to it being true. I'm probably more likely to like the lie. So... Who knows, I might double back on that immediately. But let's go to statement two. Yes, well, the good thing about statement one was it was relatively straightforward because it becomes less so as we work down the list. (laughs) Uh, Yes, so Pope Paul. I would have thought the Pope would spend a fair bit of time in Jerusalem, but it sounds like the visits are somewhat significant, if for no other reason that they... It's always called a pilgrimage. So I went in and I was like, oh, okay, so maybe this was a quite important... Like, maybe this was a big thing. But they were all, they were all called pilgrimages. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Because I've... Old mate just rolls into town. I love the idea that the Pope thinks the Pope is in charge of Christianity at all times, except for in England and Scotland and Wales and parts of Ireland. But 
I guess when you go to Jerusalem, you're just the head of the Roman Catholics. All of these other Catholics, like, mm, no. Oh, these other religions as well. You just don't really... We're running our own show. Yeah, and this is just in the Christian quarter. The Jewish, Armenian and Muslim quarters are all like, no, mate, you've got your own quarter. Stay over there. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, like, vastly insignificant or annoying when he visits. Um, yeah. I, d- I bet it's a hassle at any time, yes. Do you have a sense of how many times he goes, then? Um, so I've got 1962 here. I think there was a... Same Pope went in 68 from memory. This, I'm guessing now. It wasn't like, definitely not annually. Unless that, unless he does go annually, but that's called something else. And the official visits. I don't know. When the Pope comes to England, is it all over your news? Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. I remember, I remember him visiting. Like in Australia, it's... Going around his little Pope. Yeah, it's kind of similar to a royal visit. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same, uh, yeah. For us. So I was kind of taking that kind of logic, but because it's much closer and Jerusalem is more significant than Australia to the Pope, <laughs> um, the visits are a bit more frequent. But I still think it's like the 1962 visit, the 1997 visit, if you went in 97, different Pope, I'm guessing. Yeah. So in 1962, the Pope visited to remove the ladder. So yeah, he's gone with an agenda this time. Um, this isn't just a stop and have a cup of tea. This is a full... So this... No. I'm removing this ladder. Would the Pope drink... I reckon the Pope would drink soy soy teas. And I reckon it's like half strength. I The current Pope. I don't think he touches anything other than wine. <laughs> Just wine. I'm fine Just with that. Just wine, yeah. Okay. And he, he's not even that fussy. Yeah, so it's this... like a nice bottle. Six pounds from Tesco. He'll be fine with it. <laughs> I don't even want to... The image of a Pope standing in a British supermarket... <laughs> looking at what is an entirely dissatisfying rack of wine, trying to pick one, is just something I find great pleasure in. And then picking up a bottle that's just called red wine. (laughs) (laughs) £4.50. Like, yeah, just says good wine on the label. I was once once instructed to go buy someone some wine, and I think we did buy them a bottle of red wine. It wasn't like, it wasn't anything... (laughs) And it was very cheap, and uh, it was disgusting, apparently. So there you go. I'm sure it was, but I always think at that level of price, it's all going to be pretty bad. Well, bad's not the right word. It's all going to be mm, less than geographically specific on the label. <laughs> it's probably like a, a mix of everything that was on the floor in the vineyard. <laughs> uh, that's that's something else. <laughs> yeah. That's actually $30 a bottle. Yeah, I bet. They could find someone who would pay, like, ridiculous amount. Yeah, Field field Blend is my favourite. I love the skew we've gone on here. Field Blend's my va- favourite kind of winemaking. You basically just take everything that was left over, stick it all in a, a big vat, call it co-fermentation, <laughs> um, and charge a little bit extra for Grapes, it. Grapes, bark, leaves, whatever you can find. I mean, you're making a joke, but they do actually... Pro- they probably would leave some skins. Maybe not the leaves. The leaves is probably going a bit far. <laughs> What about um, the bark? Leave some skins on. What about bark in it? Well, it depends how you want to... How you want to... Uh, the bark would probably add some add some tannin. Oh, um, God. Not a lot of bark on grapevines, so if bark's ended up in there, you've done something wrong. It's annoying that when you try and mock something pretentious and they just correct you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your area? I don't have any, but I am WSET Level 2 Wine Certified. What? What's WSET? Wine and Spirits Education Trust. 
I actually don't like saying this because everyone's always, it's basically a, a wine school um, based in London, but it's the kind of thing people put in their Instagram bios, um, WSET2, and I'm like, why are we giving free advertising for this school? Like, I don't have University of Adelaide in my Instagram bio. I think people do it because then they think, I don't know, people think when they go to restaurants, they're going to be treated better if they, they give you a little pin and every now and then you'll see a, a diner with their pin on that says they went to wet set and I'm like, take that off now. What? This is like, what? what? How many levels are there? There are four, but level four is a diploma and then you can head up towards master of wine. So you're a master of history. There is master of wine. Would that be like a sommelier, a fancy place? Sommelier is a different skew, so the the wet set or the WSET line of uh, education does not focus on at-the-table service. It's more of a knowledge-based wow. tra- trajectory, whereas sommeliers, you have to be able to... So you'll, to, pass the, to pass the wet set exams, not at my level, but all the levels above, you have to do some tasting in your exams and accurately describe the wine, but you don't have to be able to serve it at a table, whereas a sommelier is very much about restaurant table service. Are you are you going to do your, um, what is it, wet set? That sounds weird. Well, Are you going to do your level mine three? Mine last one cost, my last one cost $1,000. Level three cost 1600 Oh, my God. So, you know, unless there's some pretty serious development and that's a justifiable business expense, probably not. Uh, the other way to do it is to work for a good company, work for companies that are big enough to just pay for you to do it. Um, but I don't do that at the moment. This is a real tangent from the Pope shopping in Tesco. <laughs> mm. So the Pope went in 1962 <laughs> and a big part of this was, uh, I didn't write it down. I think he became the Pope in the 50s. But a part of his agenda for his election was unifying the denominations and sort of breaking down. He sort of... From what I could tell, I didn't actually read any of his speeches. I don't imagine they were in English anyway. Um, He was worried about the sort of infighting within Christianity and Catholicism or where he he thought the sort of the focus should be on what is shared and what is consistent and globalising their reach. And you want to be the head of everyone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the latter was... uh, maybe just a ladder, but it's also a symbol of disunity. And so it's quite famous and people go to Jerusalem and have a look and there's this ladder that does nothing but visually signify the inability of the denominations to agree. Yeah. So the the march to the ladder in Jerusalem was, I guess, you know, it wasn't the only thing he did. He didn't just go there and ask all six to take the ladder down. There were speeches on, on these kind of notes and he did all the classic things, the shaking hands in the streets, whatever people did before security was a thing. And then was it just universally rejected? I think they don't release their notes on their meetings and things, but I reckon it's the thing where, like, it'll be a, they'll say, that's fine, and the Armenians say, that's okay, we'll bring it inside and we'll put it in a cabinet in ours. And the Roman Catholics say, no, of course the ladder's coming into our part of the church. Like, I think nothing just ever gets done because there's just infinite level of detail. Like, it's too... By 1962 or now... The ladder's too significant to chuck it out. Yeah. So, like, then what do you do with it? Maybe they should have done a timeshare thing where they all get it for one-sixth of a year. <laughs> Maybe the ladder needs to go on a global tour. Yeah. But then it's, then it's very movable. Yeah, the moving ladder. The moving ladder. I think you missed the point. 
Um, so it just wasn't. He tried and he failed. Well, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. This is another thing I should have looked up. I wonder whether, on some grander level, did he manage to unify various denominations? He unified the other five to keep the other. Or even just on a global level, like did did he introduce more harmony within his people before he died? I've got no idea. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. Are, are these you know, the things you wanted me to educate you on? Oh, if you happen to know. I, um, we'll, we'll get to the Crusades in the next one, the next statement. Um, but if you happen to know how Pope Paul VI <laughs> went on his global mission, I would like to hear about that. Thank you. Well, he started off in Birmingham. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say Birmingham is not the place to start. <laughs> um, I do, yeah, this statement excites me less than the first one, but noble effort. If he tried to do that. Oh, I'm, I'm a lot more excited about... Oh, I guess they're both, you know... In terms of the latter, a lot less action happened in this one. Yeah. It's a nice message, but it does kind of come off as him saying, like, think about what you share, like, leadership by me. And then that just comes off as a bit annoying, doesn't it? Yeah. I th- and I think I have the idea that the Roman Catholics think they're the best. And that could be yeah, wrong. So and it might actually be that in somewhere like Jerusalem, yeah, maybe they're not any more uh, pompous or powerful than any of the others. Maybe it's just that I only ever have to hear it from the, the Romans. Yeah, they probably think they're the cool ones. And who knows, they might be. Yeah. Better. I want to know which ones think they're like the, the punk alternative hipsters of the denominations. Let's go back up to my list. I don't think it's Greek. Um... A bit too serious. I don't know who the Coptics are. Who are they? Satan worshippers. <laughs> Technically, they're still within the same religion. Oh. Because if they're, they're still following what? the same gods and all this stuff. Really? Or are you messing with me? I've got no idea. <laughs> I don't know if there is any official Satan worshippers. Ah, uh, Egyptians. Egyptians? <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, Coptic was the spoken language of most Egyptians until it was slowly replaced by colloquial Egyptian or Arabic in the lower regions of Egypt. Yeah, that's so it's another African another African one. No, I think we're having two different conversations. Um I don't know who the punks are. Humanists or something else, isn't it? I reckon I mean I don't I didn't really know where I was gonna slide this in. I have got a good anecdote. On, from a Coptic. In 2002, a Coptic monk was sitting outside protesting something that the Ethiopians had done, but he was just sitting on a chair and the, the sun sort of came up over the building, got really hot, so the monk picked up his chair, moved it a few steps over and sat in the shade and the Egyptians interpreted this as a hostile move and 11 people were hospitalised in the fighting that resulted. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they don't mess around here. Like, literally him moving his chair was quoted as the hostile move that initiated fighting. My God, that sounds as important as the latter. Two years later, 2004, a door was left open during some celebrations, which was taken as a sign of disrespect uh, from one of the denominations, which caused a fist fight. These people are not messing around. Just, like, keep your eyes to the ground, everyone. (laughs) I think they have... They'd have a big celebration, and it's like, well, we're celebrating today, so you just stay out of the way. And then one, one person comes up and causes any level of insignificance. It's like, how dare you 
You how dare you descend on our significant and important practice and disrupt you it? You have insulted me. We're all going to have a fight. Oh yeah. Oh my god, this is intense. Yeah, maybe they should have taken the ladder down. Um, I'm also not surprised they haven't. <laughs> yeah, gone. Statement three. Statement three, if I am correct, was that uh, I should have written these down. I don't know why I didn't write them down. This one is the provision that uh, a Muslim family yes. has been responsible for looking after the keys to one of the most famous Christian churches in the world. I think it was something but to do with Muslim family. Is that right? 800 years, yes. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly it. Who is the family? So, there are at least three variations of the spelling, but I'd say it's um, Nuseba, 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 Nuseba clan or family who settled in the 7th century. They've had some help from some other families. Uh, I'll just say now, if you are a listener who is... If you're a listener who's either sort of deeply religious in any of the Christian faiths mentioned, or Muslim, you probably don't want to be listening to me butcher all of this. Um, But I think we had some Muslims conquering in... Pronunciations, or are you just going to wildly offend all religions? I don't, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I, I would not want to listen to me mispronounce. If I you managed to survive, like, say something offensive. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. No, I'm going to try and pronounce another family. Oh, uh, Al, Guida, Al Guida. There's another family who did some helping with the keys, but the main family is the Nusaba clan, um, who have been there for a very long time. Five years. No, they've been there longer. They settled in the seventh century. Oh, they've been after the family. A very long time. So I was hoping you could help with the conquest to give us a bit of a timeline on when all the various people were controlling Jerusalem. Sounds like we've had some people who were there. Sounds like we had some Muslims come in and and, uh, have a successful conquest, something around the 7th century. I honestly can't remember dates. I remember so little from that course, but it was also very, very much from a, a European sort of like those crusades couldn't tell you much history on the other side uh when the europeans came like when the well we know we end up with the ottomans in the um 18th century so uh, yeah it sounds like muslim people came in and pretty successfully instituted themselves as themselves as the people in charge this has happened somewhere around 7th century by 1192 we have some good records within the christian church that confirm the key keeping. So we know we, we know we can go at least that far back, definitely, which is the 800 years. Oh. But it, it probably goes back quite a bit further than that. So I've got a nice little anecdote, which I think kind of um, kind of indicates the, you know, the nice way this city has functioned. There was a guy called Omar or Umar who was just, just casually a senior companion of a little-known guy called Muhammad. Have you heard of him? Rings a bell. So he was, um, he was one of the people who, he, he was a, uh, a successor of Muhammad, so he was in charge of stuff and people. The Christians at the time invited the, the chief Muslim to come in and, and do his prayer in the Holy Sepulchre, and he said, no, I, I don't think I should come in because we might end up with some, some future Muslims deciding that this church is now ours and taking it off you. So he went and prayed outside and they built a mosque there and there is still a Muslim mosque there called the Mosque of Umar or Omar, depending on which 
spelling pronunciation you're going to go with, which I think is kind of nice. Yeah. I don't know what happened in the world from then until now where we're at with our tensions and our fighting, but we started off in a good spot. Was it all like, was it quite nice that they built the mosque though? I imagine so. I don't know. I'm guessing just on a practical level, like if you're going to pray a lot, you want a lot of places to pray. So even in the other quarters, it's helpful if you can have a building that you can use. Like imagine if you had to go back to the Muslim quarter to do your daily prayers, that would be inconvenient, I think. But when there's so much dispute, because when was this built? In the 12th century? Um, the This would have been before that. I'm thinking like 700s. I just wonder if there's like... Maybe six, maybe late 600s. Who knows? We need to, we should do a Crusades episode, get really into it. Yeah, that's an area of history. I mean, it's probably quite sad, but it's an area of history I should know more about. There's a there's a lot of a lot of very dark things that happen in the name of very good things. But there you go. Um, I think after dealing with a dead dog in space, I can handle more than I could before. <laughs> just lots of, it's just lots of massacres and violent sort of things yeah. happening. Um, is what I remember taking away from my class, and lots of people. Travelling from very far away to do terrible things who, to people who haven't, who are just at home. <laughs> just just doing their life. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday because a lot of this I do find very troubling. I think if you study history, you're going to encounter some troubling stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean... There hasn't been an era where we've been particularly nice as a species. Yeah. It's like when people say they want to travel back in time. Every time before now is probably... <laughs> More depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I want to know a few things. Firstly, can I catch the diseases of the day? <laughs> and secondly, can I be tried and executed for nothing other than me being me? It's like, even if you, like, travel back to the 1950s, where, like, there's all this stylish stuff happening, it's really cool. Most people are probably just, like, racist still, or something. It's like, or sexist, or whatever. <laughs> Considering most of them are racist and sexist yeah, still? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, considering there's still all these vast problems, imagine when it was still, like, socially acceptable. Uh, almost compulsory. Yeah. But then, yes. then there's um, also sorry. nice, refreshing ways to look back at history. Um, yeah, well, I mean, what what's it for if not to romanticise? That's very true. So, yes, coming back to the, back to the key. So, I think the idea was... Firstly, the Muslims were in control of the city and they were like, no, you can still have your cool church yeah. and you guys do you. And you can look two ways. We're going to control your church by officially, symbolically hanging on to the keys or to prevent any particular clashes between you guys, we're going to look after the keys and you can all come here and pray. Either way, I think it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's quite nice. So they like, so Muslim family look after the keys for a Christian church. Mm-hmm. That is quite nice. Yes. That sounds like a grab a grab headline, doesn't it? Yeah. Must be a unity there, maybe. Muslim Muslims conquer Jerusalem. You won't believe what happens next. <laughs> You'll never guess who has the keys. I, I like that fact. If that's a fact. Love it. Well, yes. So it's a is, Schrodinger fact. Is it, I suppose, I was going to say, is it more ceremonial? But I don't know if it's more ceremonial. Well, I think now it's definitely ceremonial. I think ceremonial is a good word for it. It's not particularly practical. Well, now we've got so, now it's a, like the building just kept getting added to. I think now it's sort of saying it's like the the Lord Mayor might be the key keeper of the city, yeah. which means absolutely nothing. 
Oh, I like that. But yeah, I thought it was uh, worthy of inclusion. <laughs> it's also just hard to make jokes about it. It's quite a wholesome, wholesome thing. Oh, you don't want to offend? Oh yeah, I don't billions of people. But also, uh, fair enough too. It's just quite a wholesome fact. Yeah, see guys, it is possible. We can all get along. <laughs> you give us the keys to your building and everything's going to be fine. I wonder if it did cause tensions. Oh. Uh, nah, I bet it's probably just an accepted I mean, fact. I have heard, I have heard now that it's, you know, pe- visitors who are not of any of the particular faiths represented in Jerusalem are amazed at the coexistence. But I think we just live in pretty angry places in the West. And we're not incredibly tolerant and we're scared of others. <laughs> so it's probably as amazing to us whereas there are probably people like well of course that's how this works it's just a fact of life yeah uh, we we all just have different ideas of our men in the sky <laughs> and we just each just have our own ideas separately no stress it's very clear that neither of us are religious <laughs> mm. well harry potter might be a real story but oh. yeah i'm not much here for the come off it creationism <laughs> um I'm trying to think now. What do I think? Because they're all... I like them all. That's the problem. I don't want to say that any of these are You are incredibly disposed towards statements where you, that you like. Uh, I love this. Like, you're like, well, I want this one to be true. Or, yeah, that is very I want true. this to be a fact. That very much does drive my decision-making. You have a think and just talk out loud, and I'm going to go through and add up the scores from the ones we've published, because I would just like to say it on the record, quite deep into this episode that might never get released... I did get some good points on episodes that did not get released for various reasons. They don't count. I know they don't count. That's why I'm saying it. I'm a little sad that we don't have those episodes. We'll just have to re-record them word for word. Um, I just... If we could... Maybe we'll have to reenact the missing 10 minutes of the sword. What happened to the sword one? That's the one where your audio got lost for... You stopped recording and you came back on and uh, didn't go back far enough. So the... Bit where we discuss which statement uh, you're gonna you're gonna pick is missing. What happened to the Clifton suspension bridge then? No, I've got that one. That's fine. Oh, so we, I thought we run out. Well, we mentioned uh, a suicide attempt. That's true. Maybe just ignore that episode. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's 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 in the filing cabinet. It's there for another day. I'm meant to be thinking out loud, aren't I? Um, I think that people are stupid, and therefore the first one. Is probably true, and that someone probably took the ladder. Statement one is true. Okay. I also think that's a fun fact. Anyway, I think that I quite like. Again, it's me liking the fact, but it's so wholesome that surely a family has kept the keys for eight hundred years. That's quite nice. And also the fact that you mentioned they have records to eleven ninety two, I find quite convincing. So I'm like, that would also be a good fact. Mm-hmm. I think I'm. I think I am leaning towards statement two being the lie. Statement two being a lie. Because it does make sense. Because it's a very sort of like... It makes sense that it's not true. <laughs> I was going to say, it's based on sort of themes of like Pope wanting to show unity and all this stuff. And it kind of sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you could probably make the... I'm going to say two is a lie. Locking in two. Locking in two. Excellent timing, because I think I've just successfully added up the scores. Um, two. No, yes, two is a lie. Two is... Well, get in. I mean, it's it didn't it didn't happen. However, the Pope did say a Pope. A Pope has said it was a symbol of disunity, but I don't think there was any any ambition or optimism for getting rid of it. Such was the state of its immovability by then. Um, so well played. I did kind of expect you to get this one just because 
I feel like me coming up with the Muslim keys one would have been just a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, that is true. The one I would have been most likely to guess is the moved twice because I feel like saying it was moved once would have been not enough. But the two stories, they're kind of convenient. If you'd said it, yeah, if you'd said it had only moved once, then you, there's like, I think it's less believable. That's because you had twice there. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, there you go. Maybe we should record, I should record in the evening more. Our brain's obviously just more awake. Oh, that's where you've gone with this. You've got a point, so... It, I will say, it, it is a bit of a stretch getting up earlier. Um, <laughs> but I'll wait until I edit it to see how that, see how that sounds. I prefer the morning record at this point. Yeah, the morning record's lovely because you, you still got your day. Uh, this is, um, today's one of those days where I'm almost like a real human. I have actual things to do. Just imagine. I was on four. You were on two, if we count only the released episodes. But you've just grabbed yourself a point. You've come, you're coming back 4-3. Right. Then I'm annoyed, because I think people think that I don't ever get them right. But I'm only one point behind. It's pretty good. Well, the two that you got right were Fountain and Body in a Box. New question. Is that an even spread between... Have we done it the like same amount of episodes each? I reckon you've done more. So you've had more chance to guess, or I've had more chance to guess? I reckon I've had more. I've done one. No, we had done seven each. That's nice. So this would, if this does make it to episode 15, you will have had one, but I'm going to guess in about 15 minutes, we're going to start me having a crack. That's pretty good that collectively we get, we guess more lies than wrong answers. We're getting pretty good at it lately. We've had a pretty high strike rate in the last few. We need to be a bit more creative with our lies, clearly. We do need to, we we need to not be writing our lies at 10.30 the night before. (laughs) That's true. <laughs> At least on this side of the world. <laughs> well, there we go. Point for me. I'm loving it. Point for you. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to go to Jerusalem. I kind of want to see all this stuff. I'd love to go. I don't. All, all, people always want to do the thing where you stick your hand in the hole in the wall. and I'm not interested in all that sort of stuff. I'm just kind of fascinated in... I always think, like, I want to... You know that image of an Egyptian market where, like, all of the exotic things are around? You imagine, like, a travel writer of the... 1880s just exploring this entirely new world for the first time i realize we're kind of losing places like that as western influence just seeps out and descends upon everything but i'd like to walk up like a big hill and just like look over it all and see all like the cool buildings okay if there's one thing i've heard about the hills in this region you don't really want to be on them there's a lot of explosive projectiles but fair enough i'll i'll camouflage Definitely does not sound suspicious that you're going to enter something like the Gaza Strip in camouflage. Yeah, well, That's not a terrible idea at walk all. Walk up to a nice high vantage point in full camouflage. <laughs> take a big, like, a big, take your university scroll in a big tube so you can take a selfie with it and definitely won't at all look like a, look like a <laughs> weapon from afar. But let's take a podcast trip to Jerusalem. Yeah. Pretty sure. I'll put it underneath Edinburgh, the above... <laughs> Where's the other place we're going to go? Bordeaux. Yeah, Bordeaux, yeah. We'll, we'll do Bordeaux on the way back. We'll do it, yeah. You can put your... Yeah, we'll take a trip. put your wet set. Wine country is the reward. Hmm. I haven't learned any French yet. Bonjour. Je m'appelle John. I've got us covered. Au revoir. Just we are... Au I do it at work sometimes. I just... But I only know... Or literally... I have trouble knowing, maybe you'll know them, the various terms for women. 
I never know which one's which, which one's unmarried, which one's young. It's very, it's hard to keep track of them all. What are you all about? Like there's Madame, uh, Madame Moiselle. Oh yeah. I think there's a... Bonjour Madame. Uh, I think is Monsuri uh, a man of some sort? Monsieur? There's lots of them. I just don't know. I can never really tell. I feel like some of the people I work with should be the young one. Some people are married, <laughs> you know. I can't say any of them are particularly enthused by me saying merci beaucoup. When Merci beaucoup. They just want me to get get the thing I'm there for and get out of their way. <laughs> just learn, yeah, learn a bit of French. Just learn how to uh, um, order wine in French, then you'll be fine. I somehow get the feeling I would manage to get the wine. I'll just say je suis anglais all the time. Je suis anglais, which means I am English. <laughs> it, yes, I perfected. Uh, Désolé, je suis Australian. Je ne parle français. And everyone's like, just like looking at me, just dead, just so dead in the eyes. What do you want? No, oh, just to finish this one, if if the podcast is still happening. Hello, everyone. I don't know why people say French people are unpleasant when you go there, because they were absolutely lovely to me, all but one waiter, and I'm pretty sure he was just an unpleasant person. Oh, there you go. I don't know why. I think uh, the Americans think they're rude because Americans are rude when they're traveling. Sorry, American. Is Morgan there? She's not. <laughs> um, Americans are not the most pleasant people to have as tourists, <laughs> I've found. And I can understand why they've developed the idea that French people are rude. But the English, I don't. I was there with an English person. French people are lovely. Who was the English person in France? Uh, former partner. That's true. Attractive, pleasant woman, <laughs> and an Australian. Maybe we had some some good favour. But I, I literally could not do anything in French. There's nothing I managed to actually ask for that was not in English. And everyone was really nice. Oh, there you go. You've fixed the uh, stereotype now. <laughs> Fix the stereotype. I'm not sure that how whether that's how this works for a podcast in its first 20 episodes. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But we'll keep up the good fight. I'll, I'll do some French objects. I think I've stopped. I think I've given up on the editing of this one. I reckon I just ended it with au revoir. <laughs> A fly in the room, and I'm really worried that the noise of the fly is gonna uh, not be helpful. Just don't like swing like a newspaper around trying to hit it because we might pick that up. Uh, I swung a wine magazine, a wine business magazine. Oh, I couldn't get a window. Go fly, be free. A, a yes. wine business magazine. Mm. You are fancy as hell. Right, okay, fly's gone. I'm talking about maybe getting into fly's bed gone. and I'm swung here. a fly with a wine magazine. I feel like this is... we, don't mess up. we don't mess around in Australia. A fly could probably kill you. Oh, I didn't think about that. It was, it was only probably the size of a tennis ball, so just a little one. <laughs> there you go, you did have a joke. <laughs> on with the podcast. I'm full of them. Cue the podcast. Mm-hmm.